we are roaring coming off that report that we talked about in my last video, 2.4% gross domestic product. The consumer is on fire in America. And, uh, you know, when inflation goes down, that means the power of their wages, which we know have been going up um, the last couple of years, especially if you were a job quitter, uh, then you have real power. You have more real wages to spend on things. Get ready for a new episode of KP Talks Dollars and Cents. Learn financial literacy and get real-time updates on all things housing, finance, and real estate. So let's get started. Here's your host, Kevin Perenio. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. Well, July is over, at least here on the uh, West Coast in about 16 minutes. And the U.S. women's team will be taking on Portugal. Make sure you watch it if you're up. If not, catch the highlights. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, women's soccer here for just a second, give you a little personal story. Um, I have one sibling. I have a younger sister, Gina. And um, I like to say I made her very tough at soccer because she had to hang out with me and all of uh, my friends who were all into soccer growing up in Dallas. And um, she played for an incredible select soccer club in Dallas called Sting 79. They actually won the national club uh, soccer tournament uh, as she was growing up uh, twice. And I think they got runner-up um, on the third time they got to the finals. So I always was around women's soccer, and I love it. I think it's amazing power, speed, agility. And let's hope our women can take down Portugal tonight and uh, advance to, uh, to the knockout rounds. Okay, speaking of power, speed, and agility, how about our U.S. economy? We are roaring coming off that report that we talked about in my last video, 2.4% gross domestic product. The consumer is on fire in America. And, uh, you know, when inflation goes down, that means the power of their wages, which we know have been going up um, the last couple of years, especially if you were a job quitter, uh, then you have real power. You have more real wages to spend on things. Um, durable goods was surprisingly up last week. I think I saw some durable good order. Uh, they jumped 4.7%. From, uh, from May to June, above the consensus of 1.5%. So people are buying goods now, in addition to just spending their money on services and experiences and all that kind of stuff. So uh, let's see how the jobs data comes out this week. It's very important jobs data week. Um, we had the, uh, remember, the Fed is looking to fight inflation. And one of the things that is in that fight is making sure that wage inflation doesn't have that wage price spiral and get out of control. And um, it's still a risk. Um, I'm going to go over some more of my notes about uh, what the Fed said um, in their meeting and some of the things that I wrote down when I watched the press conference last week. But, you know, the job opening um, and labor turnover report is one of the measures that they're looking at. And that JOLTS report, JOLTS, J-O-L-T-S, comes out tomorrow. So remember, we had at one point over 11 million job openings in America, two job openings for every uh, employee uh, that was unemployed, um, you know, every consumer that was unemployed of working age. So that's a big, uh, important data point coming out tomorrow. Um, ADP puts their payroll out. There's a challenger job cut report. Um, and, uh, of course, the weekly jobless, uh, initial jobless claims and then continuing claims that comes out on Thursday. And then Friday's the big report. It's the big job report. The Bureau of Labor Statistics puts out their job report on Friday, the first Friday of every month, the first Friday of August. Remember, it's Leo season. So the August Leos are rising now. we got about three weeks of uh, Leos rolling out here. Uh, so happy birthday, all you July Leos. 
I'm an August Leo, for those that don't know. Uh, about to be 47 in a couple weeks. Um, anyway, the, um, the, the July jobs report data comes out Friday. So huge jobs week, tons of data. But that's not the only data that we're looking at. Remember, we're still trying to fight inflation. And the Fed's preferred inflation measure, well, of all the ones that they have, is the PCE, the Personal Consumption Expenditure. That rolled out last week, the PCE data. So here's a little recap we got um, on the PCE data. I was going to give you that number. Um, it was 4.1% higher than a year ago. And that was down sharply from the prior month of 4.6%, a, a month-over-month read. That's a big improvement, half a percent in one month. So that annual rate is pretty good. Lowest level since September of 21. Um, June personal income rose uh, in 0.3% uh, from May, a little below the consensus of 0.4%. And consumer sentiment um, rose to 71.6. A little less than expected, but still rose. So last week was about as good a week of data as you could get um, as a, if you're talking about soft landing. I'm not here to debate soft landing or getting a soft landing or whatever. But when you get a humongous, uh, yep, I'm getting emails at midnight. That's right. Um, it's, it never ends, just so you know. Ever, 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 ever ends. Anyway, I love this job. I love this uh, industry. Um, anyway, uh, the, uh, the data that was coming out last week as it relates to uh, PCE and personal consumption expenditure, um, which is a little less heavy in housing, um, has been coming down significantly. And so that fight against inflation, that fight against, uh, you know, all the data that points we saw last week were as positive as you can get in a soft landing. That includes the Fed's um, statement, which is super important, their 25 basis point hike. The European Central Bank um, had a, uh, they had some data that um, they put out uh, last week, obviously, um, thinking that they were a little more dovish, um, even though they put out 25 basis point uh, rate hike. And, um, and then, of course, the Bank of Japan, probably the, the only thing that was released last week that was, um, you know, I guess, negative, saying that, you know, they will allow their yield curve to expand, which, again, that's competing against investment dollars for our treasuries. But today, the actual data, uh, after that yield curve control announcement by the Bank of Japan came out, they started stepping in and buying and didn't let their... Um, their yen go beyond 60 basis points of yield. So that was very U.S. Treasury and bond friendly. So um, we had the Bank of Australia that uh, reports um, this week. I believe they report uh, tomorrow, actually, in like four hours. Um, and um, also, um, actually, I think they report in like one hour because it's an East Coast time thing. Um, and then uh, the Bank of England will report on Thursday. So some, some more central banks coming out with data in addition to um, the jobs data that's coming out this week. Manufacturing has been in recessionary territory. We do get ISM manufacturing data in the morning, um, tomorrow morning, um, Tuesday, um, in let's call it uh, four hours. So uh, yeah, that's pretty important. I mean, are we in this rolling recession? Like, uh, manufacturing is down, but durable goods kind of uh, surprised us last month. So has has that hit its trough? You know, when you look at all these um, economic indicators, you know, money supply uh, had been shrinking. Obviously, we have a tightening cycle going on. But I believe from some of the reports I saw, Professor Jeremy Siegel, um, Wharton School of Business, uh, economics professor, he's 
basically saying, you know, uh, Dr. Siegel, uh, is the money supply has stopped shrinking. Commodities have hit their bottom. I've took a look at Dr. Copper. Um, yeah, I've looked at oil. Oil is starting to rebound now. You're starting to see some of these things where they show that they've hit their trough. So it is going up from here. Now, if you listen to what uh, Fed Chair Powell says as it relates to this, he did say um, he said that he's not sure what will happen with data between now and the next meeting, let alone a year from now, because someone asked, when's he going to start cutting? So to his point, yes, we've had, he's basically saying he acknowledges there's been a lot of really um, good data as it relates to a soft landing, as it relates to inflation. I mean, if you take a 0.1% CPI and you do that by 12, you're at 1.2% inflation. That's way below the 2% target that they're looking for. So, uh, so anyway, he's saying, hey, we're still looking at this stuff, so don't ask me about Fed rate cuts yet. Let's keep looking at the data. Um, I will say that he did say that inflation uh, needs to come down credibly and sustainably. So again, an acknowledgement that it's coming down. We're near the rate height uh, uh, cycle ending, but he does want to see that continue to move. He doesn't see 2%, the Fed's preferred uh, target for inflation, until 2025. I think that's bluster, but we shall see. Um, he said that deposit flow has stabilized, so there was an ex expected result in the bank tightening uh, that happened in March, but everything was orderly. Now, just so you know, even though we're in the midst of this rate height uh, cycle uh, where we're tightening money supply, they did inject hundreds of billions of dollars to help stave off um, the bank crisis. So... You know, that we think that has a little correlation to how the stock market's been ripping. Uh, but he did say we're in restrictive territory. So no more Fed comment rates this week. Uh, again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not responsible for your uh, losses, only your profits. AMD and Apple, they both come out huge bellwether. Apple is like the biggest company on the planet. Um, so we'll see what they think. Um, we'll see if retail sales continues um, to have its nice pace. Um, I thought it was interesting that Transportation, food, and construction, I read, are 40% of global GDP. 40%. Transportation, food, and construction. And Blackstone is now uh, managing a trillion dollars in assets under management. Unbelievable. Let's have a great week. Leo season. Let's go August. Stay cool out there. Cheers. Go U.S. women. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Newport Beach. All right. It is uh, Thursday afternoon. It's almost 6. Uh, early evening, and my 10-year-old daughter is graduating from junior guards. It's her first uh, year of doing it on Newport Beach. She did Crystal Cove last year. So you're about to get some beach scenery, I promise. That's just my ugly mug here. Uh, huge news day tomorrow and next week, and um, I'll talk about a couple things, and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll get into some macro stuff. Okay, but before that, Freddie Mac... Uh, reported earnings, $3 billion. That was their earnings in three months. That's making a billion dollars a month. So um, obviously they're one of the two GSEs, the government-sponsored entities, enterprises. And, um, you know, they backstop housing. I mean, they're, Fannie and Freddie are the reason we have a housing industry. So what, uh, by the way, you guys know I'm not, I'm not a uh, put my hands in the pocket of uh, other people making money kind of person. I celebrate success. I think it's a huge success that Freddie Mac just had. 
what I love for the GSEs to do is invest some of that money, which they do, um, in their uh, origination arms. So partners like us, partners, lenders out there, especially independent mortgage bankers that are serving the underserved, um, we would love to have less repurchases from the GSEs so we can invest that money in our labor and our employees so we can continue to uh, serve the underserved. Um, Freddie Mac's been so important for that. I mean, we're about to roll out one of their um, their programs that allows us to get into um, underserved markets. And so they're obviously doing the work. It would help if we didn't have to pay millions of repurchases along the way. And that's not a knock on either one. That's just the general landscape. So um, we love the fact that they've enabled us to have day one certainty and make things a lot easier. But, um, yeah, let's use some of that money and invest it back in to uh, mortgage bankers that are doing the work. I mean, all the big banks, you know, they, they've been reserving and um, setting money aside for losses. One of the big reasons why Freddie Mac made as much money as they did is that they um, reversed some of their loss reserve. So, you know, large financial institutions, whether it's depository banks or the GSEs, you know, they're planning for, uh, they're being fiscally responsible and planning for um, defaults, bad uh, bad loans, whatever the case may be. There you go. But when you see a reversal of loan loss reserve, it's an admission that, yeah, maybe we're a little too conservative on reserving. And um, if defaults are down and credit is good and the borrowers, that, trust me, I, I know our underwriting in our company, and it's like many other companies, it's the best loans ever, the best credit quality ever. And this is not a credit bubble. We're not fighting the last war of 2008. Um, there aren't enough houses. I mean, gosh, if a house, if, if a bar did default, which typically the default rate matches the unemployment rate. And, you know, right now unemployment's at 3.6%. We're going to find out tomorrow on the jobs report if that's an update, if it gets up to 3.8. Uh, but, you know, defaults due to job losses are, um, are what these entities, banks, GSCs, everyone reserves for. And so hopefully they're using that in their modeling. It's okay to be cautious and overshoot on loan loss reserve, but when they reverse it out and have a profit, let's invest it back into our businesses and our lenders that are serving the underserved. So anyway, and I know they're doing that. So um, anyway, jobs report out tomorrow. We are at uh, the first Friday of August. So this will be the July Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, job report. And that would be data collected for the second half of June and the first half of July. And then they kind of get it all together. So, uh, I mean, the labor market's strong. I don't even know what the number is going to be, but um, I'm sure the bond and stock market will move either way. So we're going to find out tomorrow. Next Thursday is the CPI report, Consumer Price Index, massive index uh, regarding inflation. It's probably the second biggest inflation data point that the Fed is looking at to fight inflation. Remember, they're fighting inflation. It's coming down. Mortgage rates typically follow inflation. So if inflation's coming down, then mortgage rates tend to follow. I know that we've had a little spike in rates lately. The 10-year treasury um, is kind of a barometer, obviously, along with the mortgage-backed securities directly on um, on how mortgage rates go. But 
the CPI data next week, the jobs report tomorrow. These are all super important numbers in watching inflation come down and watching whether the Fed on September 20th will lower, uh, well, excuse me, will raise another 25 bips or whether they will pause. And if they pause, that kind of sets the terminal rate most likely. Uh, and then all the institutional investors that buy uh, treasuries and fixed income securities, there's um, bills, bond, uh, bills, notes, and bonds. And I'll get into that in a second. There is a difference. And, um, and so that fight on inflation is super, super important. And all these data points coming out are, are going to be huge for it. Remember, there's three steps in a Fed pivot. The first one is that we're doing less than 75 basis point rate hikes, which we're down to 25. Then there's the pause, which could come September 20th. And then, of course, um, there's actual cutting. So we could see rates stabilize and come down um, at any point in that uh, part of the cycle. So um, anyway, I'm going to get hit by a car here. Would be the first time on this video. Last time was the Lamborghini in Nashville. Remember that? Um, anyway, um, so what's interesting about what happened with the 10-year this week and uh, yields is the amount of treasuries that have to be sold was announced. It's about a trillion dollars, okay? So it's going to be a flood of fixed income debt coming onto the market. Why does that matter? Well, remember, we buy and sell money. And if there's a lot more money being sold by the U.S. government and the Fed with treasuries, then that's crowding in the market to buy mortgage-backed securities. And if there's not as much liquidity to sell mortgage-backed securities, rates remain elevated. So uh, same thing with stocks. Same, same thing with stocks, too. So, you know, the old adage, stocks and bonds, there's a reason. Money, money goes into bonds not to lose money. And money goes into stocks to make money. It's a riskier asset. And so um, I want to talk about two more important things, and I'll get the heck off here. Really interesting stuff I was reading about this week. And I'm learning as we go, and I'm just trying to help you guys all learn together. Um, I didn't know, like, the intricacies of uh, selling the Fed's open market actions. Okay, so, so bills, uh, notes, and bonds. Uh, treasury bills are basically anything two years or less under two years duration. It's like a one-year treasury bill, a two-month, a one-month, a three-month. Now, the interest is paid at maturity. So if you're an investor and you buy a bill, you don't get paid until that two months is up. Okay? So you look at those numbers, that yields higher right now. Um, a note, a treasury note, it's like a two-year note or a 10-year note. Now, those get paid interest every six months. And then bonds, they call them the long bonds, or anything over 10 years. So like 20-year bonds and 30-year bonds, those long maturity bonds. Now, those get paid every six months interest as well. And when Treasury is, is trying to raise money, most of the time, they're selling 80% bonds. And that really crowds out money that would otherwise go to the stock market. So I thought it was pretty interesting to hear the difference between the percentage of what the Treasury usually sells and um, the difference between bills, notes, and bonds. That impacts our liquidity of buying mortgage-backed securities, which keeps rates up or down. Okay, so we're almost at the beach. Let's talk about the BRIC countries real quick. 
So BRIC is Brazil, Russia, India, and China. They became, they've been together since like 06 officially. 01, Goldman Sachs started talking about them. Uh, 06 officially. Then S, South Africa joined them. And now they're going to vote August, I think August 22nd. They're having a conference. They literally have their own like kind of, uh, intermonetary fund, uh, international monetary fund or World Bank. And they've raised a hundred billion dollars, these countries. And they're going to admit Saudi Arabia to the BRICS. So it'll be BRICS plus. Man, they're trying to de-dollarize the world. Something we got to watch out for. Cause that means less investment dollars, less liquidity. Have a great weekend. Cheers. You've been listening to KP Talks Dollars and Cents, a top-rated show for those who want to learn about the economy and mortgage environment. Tune in each week for more episodes, and please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Kevin Perenio does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through KP Talks Dollars and Cents. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. For more info, follow KP Talks Dollars and Cents on all of our social channels.